Matthew 4.19, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, encapsulates the gospel completely. I hope every one of us that's written on our heart that if anybody ever asks you, obviously there's different ways you can explain the gospel. Matthew 4.19, is, it's encapsulated perfectly right there, is the grace of Jesus, the idea that he had to, to, to die and to rise again in order for us even to be able to follow him and to be transformed by him. And then maybe the greatest of all, really, of his grace is that he says, and now, now you guys, my people, go and make disciples. And a lot of times I think it's really easy um, to have almost a little bit of a hard heart towards that. Like, like we think, wow, I don't like doing that. And I don't like the way, you know, I remember when it was taught this way, and that's why I don't like doing it. And it's uncomfortable, and, and people will figure it out on their own. But apparently Jesus didn't think people were just going to figure it out on their own. Yeah. Right? Because he said, no, y'all go and love. And you know what's really interesting? If you ever think, we are really in an age where um, community is such like a highly valued word. But at the same time, we don't like to sacrifice for community. There, there's a little bit of kind of like a, a, a little bit of a battle going on between that, which is like, no, we want community, but I don't really want to sacrifice for it. We want to gather, but gatherings don't matter that much. Like we live in kind of that world. Here's what I love about Jesus's reasoning for disciples to gather together. Is he says, people will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. There's only one way people get to see how I love my brothers and sisters is when I'm around my brothers and sisters. And that seemed to be Jesus' way. Is he was like, yeah, you could go off on your own and do your own thing, but how will people know? There's an aspect of this gathering of us being able to come together and our friends and our family loving that and saying, wow, you love one another? That's amazing. It's really... so." This is this idea of Jesus saying, hey, come on. Like, can you think of him saying, like, your individual name? Like, Jacob, come and follow me. Like, no, you individually come and follow me. Alex, come and follow me. Adam, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include you into the greatest story that's ever been written in all of eternity. All right? It, that's amazing. And so what we began last week in our, in our series of, of being fishers of men and looking through the book of Acts was kind of a profile of, of how did people do this? Like, what did it look like in the lives of some of the early Christians? And we looked at Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and Philip is, what an amazing guy. I mean, you know, he started out um, just handing out bread. You know, they were like, listen, we're, we're looking for church leaders, and you're going to hand out bread to the, to, the, to the widows. And it's really amazing to me the standard that was held just for people who had served the food. Do you remember what that standard was? What was that standard? Men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, right? It was that, who are those guys? Because they're the ones that need to do this. And it's, it's just amazing to me. that, that it, It's a higher calling to us, I think, right? Is to go, wow, man, everything Jesus calls us to do, wow, it requires being full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and love and all these things. But then the church scattered, right? As the story goes on, the church scatters, and Philip's scattered out there. He goes to Samaria, and he, you know, he baptizes Simon the sorcerer. And as we talked last week, that was kind of hilarious. You wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be your guy. You'd be like, this is the guy I helped become a disciple because he kind of had a weird theology, and hopefully Simon repented and came back and all that kind of stuff. But an interesting thing happened is, is that Philip then 
um, had an interaction with an Ethiopian official, right, a eunuch who was in Jerusalem worshiping. And we talked about that last week, but there was a really interesting uh, statement right here, okay? is in Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, and hopefully that would just cause us pause. Hold on, an angel of the Lord, right? We, and, and just making it clear again is angels don't have wings. Okay, just so you know, okay, if you're going, no, 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 I, I've seen pictures of it. They're pictures. That's it, okay? <laughs> they don't have wings. It's a messenger. I don't know what that messenger looked like. That's what the word angel means, okay? But somehow, some way, this messenger came to Philip and said, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It makes me think, wow, what was that like? Was it just Philip's conscience? Was it a voice? Was it somebody that came up and said, no, I'm from God. Go south to the desert road, right, that goes south to Gaza. And later in that passage, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near that. What did that sound like? It just makes me think because I, it, it makes me, here's what it does. It does a couple things for me, and I don't know if this is the same for you. It makes me go, wow, do I hear the Spirit still? And number two, it makes me think, how many decisions do I make during the day that I don't even think about listening? I don't think at all about, does, is this what God wants? Is, it, is the Holy Spirit telling me something right now that I'm not listening to? Is my really tragic neglect of listening to God's voice? Other places in the book of Acts that are really the same thing. Peter was still thinking. Peter had a vision, and the Spirit said to him, Simon, there's three guys looking for you. Go up downstairs. Go Get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them because I've sent them. Again, we have this idea, and hopefully, if nothing else, we're going, wow, the Spirit told Peter to go with these three guys. In Acts 13, when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul. This was really the beginning of all of our New Testament churches. This was, this was the genesis of that. This was a church, a gathering of people coming together and worshiping and fasting and praising God. And the Spirit said, makes me think. This is a question, though. I don't know about you. I think about this. Is God silent today? Like, people are, when we read the Bible, I mean, people are are hearing God's voice. And and I'm going, hold on a minute, is is God silent today? Here's the thing about questions, though, is, is sometimes we just ask bad questions. I think this is a bad question. I don't think this is a great question, right? This really isn't the best question. If I were to reword the question is, who am I listening to? That's really the better question. As, as I was studying this out, I was like, hold on a minute. It isn't about like finding out this theology of is God silent or is God speak? But who am I listening to in a world where there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of things going on? All right. Who am I listening to? Am I listening to God? Or am I listening to Satan? You, you, does Satan talk to us? Okay. Here's the scary thing about this is how do you know when it's Satan and when it's God? Because one of Satan's schemes, which is amazing, just the word, the idea that Satan schemes, 
probably means he's not a derelict idiot, right? He's just like, man, I'm going to sound just like Satan, and they're going to follow along, right? Satan masquerades, all right? So that makes it difficult, right? Because we're going, hold on, who am I listening to? And, and, And if you're like me, I always think, really, God agrees with what I want to do. Right? I mean, if I think it, then that must mean that's what God put on my heart. Have you ever done that before? Like, this is really on my heart, so it must be from God. It might just be your conscience. It might just be your sinful nature. It might be because, but it's the idea of, I think we automatically attribute it. Oh, this is on my heart. This is what God wants. And you want to know what I think? I, I think it's way simpler than we make it, except we all have to undo a whole lot of things. I think we've, we've gotten to a place where we've really, this hasn't been a practice, particularly of us in America, that our practice isn't to listen for the voice of God. Our practice is really like, hey, if God put it on your heart and it feels right, then go and do it. Right? As long as it's not hurting someone else, go and do it. Like we've, we've created, the voice of God has become everything that we want to do. Right. And we think he's ordaining it if it's not sinful. okay? except it's really interesting is, is it seems like as the Holy Spirit talks, it's less about telling people to not do sin and more about things that are kind of like, no, go and do that. Go over there and do this. You know, it's not just like, hey, don't murder that person. All right. That's kind of simple, I think. But which is it? Who are we listening to? Is it God? Just think about that. Would it appall you? What if what if God pulled the curtain away from who we listen to most? And it was Satan. Would, would that disturb you? Would that disturb you to go, wow, I didn't think you would think that. Satan, you, you tell me to do things that I want to do. Would that bother you? Or if you found out it was just your conscience. It, it was just because, you know, it's what's kind of inside of you right here, okay? Deuteronomy 18, you want to know what? This is our kin right here. Okay, this is what we do. This is what we say. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see this great fire anymore or we'll die. All right, that's our kin. That's what we do. Don't let us go up to God. Moses, you go up to God. Somebody else go to God and come back and tell us what he's saying. Like, I don't want to hear the voice of God, okay? This really is probably a part of all of us to a certain degree. Is No, we don't want, because he may say something that I don't want to hear. He may scare me into something I don't want to be scared about. He may just, I don't want to interact. I want somebody else to interact for me, all right? This is our kin. This is kind of what we think through. In Matthew 13, uh, it says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will, will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. This was in reference to the, the apostles asked Jesus, why are you talking in parables, man? I, I do, just say it straight. <laughs> All right, stop being cute. It's great about the sower, and it's really neat about all the wheat and the weeds. That's cool, but why don't you just tell us straight? And this is an interesting kind of preface to hearing the voice of God. 
Jesus said, listen, if you really want to hear the voice of God, you're going to have to do a little bit of work. Like, I'm just not going to roll it out to you. You're going to have to consider some things. You're going to have to think through some things. Because there are folks, and it may be us, that we see, but we don't see. We hear, but we don't hear. We try to understand, but we don't really understand because it requires an investment, right? It really requires, Jesus is telling these parables because you really have to be committed to going, hmm, I, I need to go back to Jesus and get some clarification. I want to talk more about this. I want to discuss these things. There's a little bit of an, of an investment, but he, but he says, listen, we can be this. Our hearts can be calloused and we can read the Bible and not see it. And we can hear the word and not really listen to it and understand, right? This is from Jesus right here. There's really six sides, okay, that I want us to consider today. I want us to really think through this, is this idea of, okay, I'm going to share with you six really ways that God does interact and talk with us, okay? Is there more? For sure there's more, all right? This isn't an exhaustive study. Hopefully, more than anything, I roll it in front of you and you go home. And again, man, make sure that what I'm telling you is true. If you go, no, 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 that's not true what Keith said. Well, figure that out then. I promise you I didn't lie up there on purpose, okay? Everything is factual to my knowledge, you know. When I bought this sermon online the other day, it was, uh, <laughs> they told me that that was the case. But there's really six things I want us to consider because we really have to ask ourselves, who am I listening to? Who have I listened to? Am I even in a place where I am inquiring of God? All right, there, there are really these things, okay? How does he do that? This is simple, right off the bat, okay? Is God speaks to us through his word. There's two things that stood out. Again, this is not exhaustive, okay? But there's two things, super small print. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, um, and uh, in, uh, of many times and in various ways, uh, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. All right, and so we have right there, he says, listen, God speaks to us in these last days through his son. Do we have anything in the Bible that is Jesus talking? It's in there, right? I mean, we do have the words of Jesus, okay? In some of your Bibles, they might be read. All right, they don't have to be, all right? But he does say, hey, he does speak to us through his word. This is one of the things, if, if any of us, you know, as, as a community, as this tribe of faith together, if we're interacting with one another and somebody comes to you for advice and they say, listen, I'm really thinking of doing this. These are my thoughts. This is where I'm coming from. And you ask them, did you search this out in the scripture? Well, I, I don't really like to read. I don't really study my Bible about this, okay? Everything's got to stop at that point. This is the reason why, like, having a quiet time and being in the Word and all that kind of stuff is non-negotiable as a disciple. Because I'm thinking, how on earth can we possibly get the thoughts of Jesus and the ideas of Jesus and the commands of Jesus if I'm not in the Word of God, right? So we need to, we need to do really good at that. When we're getting together with one another and there's not a quiet time happening, going, I don't know who you're listening to then. Like, really? There, there, this point right here, there might need to, be, need to be some radical repentance on, okay? Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. I love this part. In Hebrews 3, okay, I had not really paid attention to this a whole lot. Um, so as the Holy Spirit says, the, the writer writes this, the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear the vo- his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. 
during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did, okay? Do you know where those words came from? Right after the red words. The Spirit says, today, if you hear my voice, do you know where in the Bible those words are from? Yes, Psalm 95, right? It's ama- it's, here's what I loved about that. It doesn't say the psalmist wrote this. It says the Spirit clearly says this. And it's that idea of, wow, oh, you mean the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are like combined right here, okay? Is this idea of, to the author of Hebrews, it wasn't like, oh, this author wrote this. It was like, no, the Spirit clearly says this. Do we approach the Word of God that way of like, hold on, the Holy Spirit says these things. Like, like we're hearing this from His Word. God speaks to us in prayer, James 1, right? If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Does he just mail you the package of wisdom? Like there's an Amazon package. You prayed for wisdom. Now here's the Amazon, man, and and there it is right there, okay? As he says, but you know, when you ask, you've got to pray, and you've got to pray faithfully, and you can't doubt, right? And there's going to be this communication. Can you think of other places in the Bible where prayer was answered? Where there was a communication, there was, a, there was a, an answer in any way. I want you to just think about that. Can you think of a place when that's happened? Nehemiah 1. That's, you know what? Brent asked this question the other day, and that was my answer, too. Is, what did Nehemiah do? What happened? Yeah, well, he, he prayed, right? Like, like <laughs> that was deep insight, bro. I'm just saying, you're a YouTube sensation right now because of that. But yeah, um, really, Nehemiah's like, I don't know. I'm going to pray like super quick, it seemed like. And then all of a sudden at the end, you see, man, God had answered all of those uh, things that he asked, which is really amazing. Can you think of some other ones that you're thinking of? Um, yeah. when, I mean, this is an example of still an answer, but... Whenever David was praying after he slept with Bathsheba and praying and fasting for his son, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a ton in there, right? I mean, really, you have this is clearly. How does he do that? Do you know? Do you know the mechanics of all that? Yeah. How does God speak to us in prayer? Like, do you know like the the how to how how it happens? Like how he makes it happen? Probably not. Okay. I mean, if you do. Wow, you are brilliant, okay? But we, here's the thing is, is there's certain things we got to know that he just does, okay? Sometimes we can get so overly like, hold on a minute, but how does he do that? And did he know I was going to ask for that? And did he, like, what was first? That you, you know, and all these things, instead of going, no, 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 no. Here's what's very clear is, is God is still speaking to us in prayer, all right? And there's only one way I know to engage in that is to engage in prayer more, not less, okay? I mean, that's really being in the word more, being in prayer more. If I want to hear the word of God is how often am I really doing that? This is one right here is uh, God speaks through his peace. Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. And then in Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. I am, I wonder, okay, how often we aren't at peace with a decision. We aren't at peace about what we're inquiring of God 
but we continue to go on our own way when we're not at peace. Where, where we just know something's wrong here. Like, I'm making this decision, but something's wrong. I'm not at peace with this for whatever reason. And I wonder how often we're going, no, I just got to push through this and do my thing. Except if the God of hope is not filling us with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I wonder how often we're just not at peace, but we're still living a certain way. He speaks to us through his peace. And this is the one right here, right? We have a love-hate relationship with this one. <laughs> we have a love-hate relationship with this one through people. I mean, this is clear. He has spoken through prophets, apostles, advisors. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ, do- Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. This is the one that we have like a real, I don't know how I feel about this one all the time. I want you to think right now, are there people God is speaking through in your life that you're not listening to? Like you keep hearing the same thing. Now, here's what ends up happening a lot of times. People will speak, people may be speaking things into us through the Holy Spirit and we're just angry at them. (laughs) Like they're just annoying us. Like, like, we don't understand why they don't understand us more. Would it be different if we really thought, hold on a minute, let me be alert. You know, very similarly to what Juliana was teaching about in communion, which is the alertness of Jesus coming back. What if I lived in a way that I was more alert of the Holy Spirit speaking through people? Mm-hmm. Like, that would probably change how I interact with people. That would probably change the amount of times I get offended by people. That probably would change a whole lot. Right? I know that for me, it would change so much of just being alert and going, hold on a minute. God, are, are you speaking through this person? And, and God may be going, duh. Like, that's why, the, that's why I was sending five people and they're all saying the same thing and you're angry at all of them. And, and we don't stop and go, hold on a minute. Like, I keep hearing this over and over again. Okay? That God speaks through people. I, I know what we really want is, I, is what I really want is I want the people in my life for me to go, I really feel like this is on my heart and I'm going to go do it. And I want the other people in my life going, you do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. I want the church to be like that. Except I don't know if that's how the Holy Spirit works. All right. Just like rubber stamping every decision I make. I, I don't think that's reality. All right. That God will speak to us. Just think about it. This week, was this something that we intentionally sought out? Like, like hearing God through others. Right? This takes some time. This takes, really the things we've discussed so far, really takes some courageous decision making. To go, am I going to listen? Whose voice am I listening to? Okay, if you, at this point you're going, man, I'm 0 for 4. I didn't have a quiet time this week. Didn't pray very much. Man, don't feel super peaceful about anything. And I really don't care what people say. My question at that point is, is who are you listening to then? Like, what are you waiting for? Like, who, who do you want to talk to you? All right? If I'm a disciple and I'm saying, Jesus, Lord, but I won't listen to you in the word, or, or, or it's going to be so sporadic, I can never really get any momentum going. I'll pray to you just about things that I want and need. 
All right. I, I really am not even concerned about your peace, and I'm not going to be open with my brothers and sisters because I don't care what they say. I would question if Jesus is Lord anymore. Who are you listening to if you're 0 for 4? If you're 1 for 4, I wonder, who are you listening to, right? What about this one? Circumstances, okay? This is, I, I can be like this, okay, where I can hear things. Okay, Jonah was like that guy where, you know, God was like, Jonah, go and do these things. Go, go and preach a message of repentance to my enemies. All right, that's what everybody wants to hear, right? When you graduate from college, everyone thinks, this is what I want to do with my life, and I want God to rubber stamp it. What if God said, listen, there's a whole clan of my enemies. That's where I want you to go live. You're like, heck no. We'd all be like Jonah. What are you talking about? I just got a degree, and they're your enemies. And, I, and God said, hold on a minute. I'm going to let you get swallowed by a fish. Now you'll understand. He's going to barf you up on the land. You're going to go and have a bad attitude, and I'm going to sunburn you until you go, oh, dang. This might be what God wants, all right? After you've been in the intestines of a fish and you have a third-degree sunburn, all right, is where circumstances, you're going, oh, yeah, now I get it, all right? Can you relate to that? Has that ever happened where you've been like, oh, I've been hearing this message a lot, but then God had to, like, wallop me in the back of the head before I was like, oh, you, you, you mean you wanted me to go and talk to my brothers about this? <laughs> like, how painful does it have to be? I think sometimes this happens is, is we just bottle it up, and we've got stuff going on inside our homes and inside our uh, uh, condos and apartments and stuff, and it's just, like, in there, and we're just going to, like, wrestle it down. It doesn't matter how painful life gets or how bad circumstances have to get. At some point, God will go, hold on a minute. I'm going to bring something a circumstance that will hopefully get your attention. God speaks to us in our circumstances. I, I did say there, Peter and Cornelius, later when we read in Acts chapter 10, remember Peter had a vision, he had this dream. And, and as we read before, the Spirit said, hey, go with these three guys and you're going to go to Cornelius' house. And, 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 and Peter showed up and, and basically the Cornelius' family starts speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. And, and Peter's like, now I see! what you were talking about because of the circumstance that happened, okay? He speaks to us in our circumstances. And then in supernatural means, you think God has stopped doing this? I don't know, okay? I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to be the guy that says he does not do this anymore. And don't think of bad words when you look at that third one. Don't, don't think of the profanity, okay? Dreams, visions, he does speak through, okay. Has he stopped doing that? I don't think so. I don't know, okay? I'm not, but, but again, God speaks to us. God speaks to us. Going back to kind of that big question that hopefully just kind of pounds on our heart, who am I listening to? There's a lot of voices. Believe me, Satan's trying to get in there. God's, get, God's got all these ways he's trying to get in there. Then you've got our conscience and all the things we want to do, right? Because we think God just is like, wants us to have this, you know, Going to Disneyland every weekend, kind of, you know, no, rich, going to Disneyland, you know, all this kind of stuff. We've got to test it, right? This takes work, doesn't it? I mean, it would be so much easier if it was just like, God, can you just implant something into my brain that, like, I don't have to do all this work, man? Like, Christianity shouldn't, it shouldn't be laborious, should it? It shouldn't require any work. Come on. 
He, he, listen, there's a side of it where we, there has to be a repentance of us going, man, if I'm going to really be desiring to hear the voice of God, we have to do a little bit of work. We, we're going to have to test this, okay? The first one up there says this, is what I am thinking or deciding aligned with Scripture? That's the easy one. That's like the low-hanging fruit right there. Is what I'm about to decide or what I'm thinking or what I think God is saying to me or what I want to do, is there anything in Scripture? All right, I'll just use this. Uh, I'll use some more low-hanging fruit just for an example right here, right? Um, is, is, is This oftentimes happens when we're uh, just wanting to decide to do something. Dating is a big one, okay, if you're single. This, this is a dating one. Um, here's what you can do. You can find scripture to tell you anything. <laughs> okay? But we've got to incorporate a number of these questions here. Is, is, what I'm, uh, is it aligned with scripture? Meaning like, um, is this a relationship that God would tell me to be a part of? Is it a relationship that is encouraging? Is it a relationship that is helping me grow closer to Jesus? Is this a relationship where, where we're mature enough to handle this? What does the scripture say about that? Right? Um, it, that's just the first question we got to ask. Is what I'm thinking or deciding aligned with scripture? You know what I want to do? I, man, we lost an hour of sleep. I'm going to sleep in because Sunday gatherings don't matter. I don't care if you decide to do that. Just where's the scripture? You tell me, because I can give you a lot of scriptures that God would say, no, no, no. Don't stop meeting together. All right? But the thing about this is whatever you're deciding, whether it's, man, I'm going to sleep in, whether it's going to be like, I'm going to do this. No, I've got to do my homework first. No, I've got to go over and do this with my coworker. Is there Bible with this? Second question, who's this glorifying? Me or God? Is the decision I'm trying to make or the voice I'm trying to hear, am I trying to hear something that just glorifies and gives me something? Or am I listening for the voice of God that glorifies him? That's his primary desire, is that he would be glorified. So whatever we're thinking, whatever we're listening for, it's probably either Satan or just my conscience or sinful nature, if it's just about me getting something. All right? Is what I am hearing going to glorify God? I would have a hard time saying that it, it, it is the voice of God if it doesn't glorify him. Okay. Third question, is faith required for this or is it just the easiest way? Like is what I'm thinking and is, this, is, is what I'm hearing from God and what he's asking me to do, does this require me to trust him more or does it just make my life easier? Like this, this can be this. This can fall into a whole number of different things as far as where I live, where I go to church. Uh, this this has to this has to do with even even group of three. You know what's really amazing to me about group of three is how much wrangling there is with the campus students. Oftentimes, where you're trying to find this perfect time where three people can meet, as long as this is within the hours of ten and two, and going, hold on a minute. Like, why don't you meet at five in the morning? Why don't you meet at 11 o'clock at night? That, that may require a little more faith. It may require some trust that God, but it's the idea of going, hold on a minute. I, am I just trying to find the easiest way or am I trying to like, hold on a minute. It's important that me and my brothers and sisters are together and, and, and involved with one another's lives. Maybe I need to make a decision that's going to require some trust, right? 
And then four, how will this affect the kingdom of God and my tribe within the kingdom of God? This has lost its luster over the years. We don't ask this question anymore. We don't ask. Hold on a minute. This decision I'm about to make, how's it going to affect the tribe of disciples that I'm with right now? Have you thought about that lately? How will this affect the tribe of disciples I'm with? How will this affect the kingdom of God? All right? That this, honestly, I, I remember this clearly as a young disciple, was this was like one of those primary things that you thought about, like, if I'm going to make a decision, like, how is this going to affect my brothers and sisters and the kingdom of God? The, why this is painful is, is that there may be decisions, there may be some things that you want to hear, and God is going, listen, I'm not about individualism. I'm about community. And, and you can't just be individualistic and, and, the, and, the, and the, king of God, the kingdom of God reign, okay? It's, it's, it's collective. We feel very uncomfortable about that today in our society, all right? Because the first thing is, well, what kind of cult is that? Well, I'm just saying this is Jesus. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. That's a collective, right? How will this affect that. And would you be willing to go, hold on a minute, what I'm hearing is very individualistic and it's going to have a negative impact. No, I think God is calling me to something else. All right? These are just four. You can add more to it. These are just four that as I was studying and I'm writing these things down and I'm kind of going through some different lessons I've heard and stuff and going, these help me right here. But three thoughts to go along with this is the first one is, is this isn't, listen, I know there's going to be big news. I don't embrace humility that well. Why, Alex, you're laughing at me, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but uh, that's not my first, this is not my go-to. And humility says, hold on, I want to hear God, your voice, above any thoughts I have about Life today, even like what I'll do today, how I'll treat people today, where I'll go today, where I'll go tomorrow, where I'll what I'll do this week is this idea of man, humility is the only thing I know that gets me out of the way and gets me listening to God. It's going, I don't know everything, I'm not outside of time, I don't really, I'm in the whole scheme of things, not the brightest, you know, bulb in the whole bulb shop where you buy bulbs, okay? <laughs> so just, uh, these are three thoughts. Embrace, if we want to hear, w- when we ask the question, who am I listening to? Almost certainly in my life, when I'm not embracing humility, I am not hearing the voice of God. Yeah. I just am not, all right? Second thing is, as we pray, as we read the Bible, think community, not individualistically. All right. I know we think God is an American. I know we think he's all about democracy. I know we think he cares about who our president is. I think we think about all those things, but here's the truth of the matter is, is God is king. He's not, he isn't intimidated by any world leader. Okay? But the other thing about it is he's not individualistic either. Is we read oftentimes in our Bible something that's very individualistic. Have y'all heard this term before? Is your relationship with Jesus is between you and him. That's not a thought God would have, I don't think. Yeah. 
okay, at all, all right? It's the idea, no, 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 you know what? Jacob's relationship with Jesus affects Jen Graham. Brent's relationship with Jesus affects Jody. Is every one of us, our, our relationship with Jesus affects our communities and our families, okay? It isn't this individualistic thing. And so as we are listening for the voice of God, if we're thinking individualistically, chances are we're probably not hearing the voice of God because he speaks in community. He speaks in tribe. He speaks in groups, okay? And then secondly, think as a missionary. Again, I think it's very easy for us to go, you know what God really thought of when he thinks of Keith is, I gave you this sports medicine degree, now I want you to go and do all this cool sports medicine stuff. I want you to go and do all these things. And going, I think God probably likes sports medicine. I guess that's an okay major, okay? But, but I, I, I can raise that up to where that's the purpose of God. Like, that's why he died, was because Keith is an athletic trainer. And therefore, he's going to go and just... Whenever I pray, God, what sports camp do you want me to work this summer? Uh, where do you want me to go and do an internship this summer? And I think God is going, well, I guess you can go and do that anywhere. You don't need me to do all that. I died because you're a missionary. I died so you would be a missionary. That's the essence of the message of God. So if we're hearing something that isn't missionary-based, I wonder if we're hearing the voice of God and not just our conscience, and not just what we want to hear, and not just this idea of us thinking that God is so me-centered that, that all of those kind of individualistic questions is kind of like, yeah, okay, I guess you could do that stuff. That's great. But when God is speaking to me, I think it has to do with proclaiming the gospel. I think it has to do with helping people become disciples. I think it has to do with relationship building. I think it has to do with loving my neighbor. I think it has to do with those things. Those are the three things. And this, as we finish, this may be the biggest. This may be the biggest aspect of hearing, like, whose voice am I listening to? There's probably a pretty good chance all of us in here are a little bit off about who Jesus is. I don't know if that disturbs you or not. But all of us probably, based on our own culture, probably have an idea of Jesus that might not be absolutely accurate. And and it may be his what we've talked about already okay but this is one of the most important things when i heard this the first time i thought this blew my mind of how do i hear the voice is how do i know god do i do i know god on these four levels okay do i know god to be a holy god to be a fear to be feared above all else all right, if, if you used to have one of these you're you're wrecked but but in your heart in your life as you study the Bible, do you know God is to be feared above all else? Like he opens his mouth, I could die. Like that I approach him and I listen for the voice of a holy God to be feared above all else. But he's also a loving father. Sharing his life and his counsel. In 1 Thessalonians 2, it says the father encourages and urges you on. At the same time, I think, okay, God is this holy God to be a feared above all else, but he's also a loving father who is like, no, I'm urging you. I'm encouraging you. I've got counsel for you. No, I'm, I'm like feeding into you. And he's a good shepherd guiding his flock. Like understanding that, oh, yeah, God is doing that too. Like, no, 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 don't go over there. No, no, over here, let me, let me cruise you around. Here's some good food. This is where you need to be. Watch out for the enemy. Okay, he's a good shepherd, and he's a faithful friend who walks alongside us.
right? Just having a quarter of these is not going to be okay. Because you go, but I like the faithful friend one. Like, that's the Jesus I want. That's the God I want. I want the faithful friend because that guy would be cool. Just don't tell me what to do. Encourage my life. Just walk alongside me, man. That'd be awesome. Except that would be partial. Do I know this God? Where I'm, I'm, I have the picture in my mind and I'm understanding as I'm listening for his voice through his word, through prayer, through peace, through his people, right? As I'm, as I'm listening for his voice, I'm going, this is who I'm listening for. A holy God to be feared above all else. Like that really requires reverence. Is when God says something, we don't play around with it. When he says no, we don't play around. When he says this is what you do, you don't mess around with that. All right? What he says is more important and powerful than anything. That There's this holy reverence of, okay, if you said it, you're a holy God to be feared above all else. But you're also a loving father. At the same time, he's like, hey, you can do this. Like, come on, keep going. That's great. Okay, come on, come back here. And he's this shepherd guiding and this friend walking alongside. And this is what's going to help us hear his voice. Is knowing this. Not just one part of it, but really the whole thing. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I, I hope this is what would be such a part of who we are is the Lord came, 1 Samuel 3, little Samuel, you know, he thinks Eli's calling him. He doesn't know, he's not like attuned to the voice of God. And Eli said, no, 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 you go back and listen again. And then the Lord came and stood there and he called him. And I love this because I know this is totally me making this up. But I think, how awesome would it be of God going, Keith, Keith. Like, how often is he doing that? I, I was thinking about that. I was going, wow. Um, when I talk to my children and they don't listen and they're sitting in the room right there, I'm like, Reese, Reese, come here, man. Come here and take this trash out or come here and do this or come here and, and, and let's do your homework or something like that. And then you hear nothing back. And then Reese goes, oh, I wasn't listening to you. TV was on. Oh, I wasn't listening to you. Video games were on. I didn't even hear your voice. Have you ever, have you ever done that before, experienced that where you're in a room or somebody's in a room and they literally don't even hear you? Because they're so engrossed in what they're doing. All right? That's the, that's the essence of everything we've talked about today. But I think, how many times is God going, Keith, Keith? I'm going, oh, well, okay, whatever. I mean, just not even thinking about it. But this response right here, speak for your servant is listening. That's the heart. I want to have this every single day. Like every moment of every day, I'm just going, speak. I'm just here. What do you want me to do? Like, tell me. I don't care if it's the next guy walking up and he has instructions. Let it be. If it's Patrick coming over to me and telling me something, I'm listening for your voice. And when I hear it, you want to know what? I am going to train my mind to test it, though. All right? I am going to test it. And I am going to know, though, and and will not be faithless to think that you aren't speaking. All right? This requires faith. This requires some courage to go, okay, I've held it in far too long, God. I've got to hear what my brother and sister say about this thing that's going on in my life. All right? Man, I've, I've not studied my Bible for far too long. Speak for your servant is listening. I want to hear what you have to say. And, and believe me, he's going to say it in community, and he's going to say it in a missional sense, and he's going to say it and, if it, and if it doesn't have to do with love, he's not going to talk about it probably. 
So we're testing it. We're listening. We're attentive. This just, to me, sums it all up. Speak for your servant is listening.